Hello and welcome to another edition of the Through the Turnstiles podcast as we take an in-depth look at the lower leagues of Scottish football. As always, I'm joined by Muzz and James. How are you guys? I'm perfectly well, yes. Good, good. For those of you that um, have tuned in before, you'll know the format. If you haven't, I'll just run through it quickly. So three of us are uh, analysts and scouts for clubs in Scotland, ranging from Premiership to League Two. Um, so we see a, a lot of games every week, which allows us to kind of form these opinions and uh, give our thoughts and feedbacks as we focus on the Championship League One and League Two. Each episode as well, one of us will pull a question from the ball bag, which is a teaser that will set the other two to try and answer for the duration of the episode. Before we move on to the teaser, I'll just ask you to do us a big favour. If, you, if you're watching on YouTube, if you could like uh, this video and subscribe to the channel, that would help us massively. We're also on Twitter, um, you, which you can find us on by searching through the turnstiles. And we're also on Spotify through the Turnstiles podcast, so you can find us on those platforms as well. Any feedback, please feel free to give us it via the comments on YouTube or on Twitter. So, Muzz, this week I think you're the uh, you're the one with the question from the ball bag. Yeah, this week um, I'm going to sort of zoom in on League One. I'm looking for um, in a four-four-two formation, uh, the highest all-time goal scorer in League One for each position. So for centre-halves, are you looking for two, the top two, since there's two centre-halves? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same, two centre-mids, two strikers, top two. What we'll do is we'll just kind of, there's no championship fixtures this weekend due to some clubs' involvement in the Betfred Cup. So we'll just touch on the results from the, the weekend just gone there uh, in the championship, just very briefly. So, James, uh, a mixed week for Hearts, a, a defeat against Unfermland 2-1 on Friday, and then they they kind of returned to form with a 3-0 win over Aloha at home midweek. <laughs> the Aloha game sort of goes without saying. That's a game they would have expected to win. So uh, it's much, much, um, much of the same for Hearts in terms of just going about their business and getting it done. You would expect them, though, to maybe put up a bigger fight against Dunfermline. Um, for me, Dunfermline were just better across the, the majority of the pitch. They... They seemed to be coached better. They seemed to want it more. They seemed to be wanting to do a lot more running. And it was just little things for me that Hearts did wrong, uh, either individually or in management in terms of you're facing a high-scoring centre-half at set pieces and you mark a bit zonally and you're, as a player you're willing to lose your man and concede a goal like that. Um, it doesn't bode well in terms of the individuals making those mistakes or the management not covering it or some breakdown of communication mm-hmm. in any sense. Um, again, that Hearts team can't really be afforded to make these mistakes because you expect a lot from all of them. We spoke last week about having the, the number of international players they had and we're humming and hawing about do you need to start them and then how can you look past starting them. Came back for international duty and then came into a losing game. So international players probably should be doing better. But for me, it wasn't a tiredness thing, it wasn't a a sloppy thing for me, it was just work rate and, and coaching that cost them a wee bit. It was interesting as well, Muzz, because obviously Popescu started for them with Holkett against uh, Dunfermline and he had a bit of a shocker, I think, definitely on the ball, uh, kind of turned over possession quite a lot. Then against Dalwa, he was out and Berra was in, so I think amongst a few other changes, but that maybe tells its own story that Nielsen wasn't kind of 100% convinced with the performance against Dunfermline. Yeah, I'm quite um, quite surprised Berra hasn't been restored as a permanent fixture to the lineup under Nielsen. Um, he certainly certainly simplified 
the way the way they play a wee bit. We've gone back to a bit of a more direct game, um, as as opposed to Stendhal's kind of like high press, um, sort of high back line kind of mm-hmm. game. Um, but James has mentioned um, the, the basic errors in defending. Again, you would you don't expect that from from Nielsen. Um, but it was well documented how how potent Ewan Murray's been from from set pieces, uh, namely corners. Recently, when you've got guys like Halkett in there, um, should just be man for man, really. Um, if you if you want to be basic, uh, but Dunfermline, we talked about last week how um, Stevie Crawford seems to yeah. kind of like take each game at a time, and he, he's he's like a bit of a chameleon with the team. He's willing to adapt um, to. to Kind of counter way certain teams play, and he's just pulled off a real, real masterstroke there, um, and made a real statement to say like, we're going to mix it uh, this season, top of that league. It's it's interesting because I saw them filming a fair bit last season uh, through various means, looking at them and players and and the, the opposition they were playing, and I didn't see that side of Stevie Crawford last season. Uh, they kind of stuck to kind of similar formation, regardless of who they were playing, and. They change a few players, and but it seems like he's he's kind of kicked on a lot as a manager over over the kind of summer and lockdown, etc. And he, he's now doing things that he wasn't necessarily doing before. So it's kind of him, James, that he's maybe adapted and maybe had a longer look at what he didn't do as well last season and, and tried to improve on it. I think the lockdown's given folk a chance to do a bit of bit of soul searching and a bit of you know just refining how you want to go about things and. This season can almost be viewed as a bit of a free hit for people. The like the champions not championships not going to be an easy league, but realistically anyone can beat anyone and might be in a shortened season. I think folk have gone in it just been like, I will have a whirl and it's almost as if some of the teams are playing without any pressure and that's benefiting the players and the management themselves. And Stevie Crawford's gone and had to look at what he can do and, and come back and come up with what he's got just now and like I say, that's slightly pressure-free because you're looking at Hearts going, well, they should be the ones getting promoted, so if we can do anything, then brilliant, good for us. And it's certainly working for a lot of the teams in that league. No, I'd agree. I think it's a free hit in the sense, like you say, that Hearts have come down and, and the pressure's all on them to get promoted. So although you're Dunfermline, your heirs, Dundee especially, Morton, they'll have aspirations of challenging and, you know, if things go for them, maybe winning the league, but it's not a necessity as it is for Hearts. So like James says, it may be to... With the exception of Dundee, it maybe takes the pressure off the likes of your Dunfermline's head down. Yeah, ones that have been down there for a couple of years now. Um, and like like you say, I think Hearts, there's, there's been evidence already that it's not going to be a walk in, in the park for them. You know, just they're not. I think that the, the, the win the other night against Alloa was what you'd consider a pretty, pretty routine mm. uh, result, but they're not going to. They're not going to come across that every week. They're going to be challenged, and um, I'll go, go right back to the Arbroath game where they were they were quite lucky to come away with that win. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's a it's a sign that um, the pressure it shows you what a difference um, kind of like pressure can make um, to, to the football. It's like a you know when the pressure's off teams and they relax, like how how well they can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I can't I can't really disagree with that at all. That um, every every team Hearts play against home or away, they're they're going to be favourites. Yeah. At the very least, slight favourites. 
Um, I just wonder so, for, for some of the teams in the league, when we say it's a free hit, if I'm a fan of some of those teams, I'm hoping for don't go down the Swanee money-wise, don't get relegated and then just see what happens. And like that does that does free up some people. And if you're happy to have that, then anything above that is is good because it is a season like no other, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not something we've we've spoken about much in the podcast because it's not really going to be an excuse for many folk. But it's that, like we've said, that pressure-free situation must be good for a lot of championship fans. But another thing that I'd be interested to hear from some fans is the the Hearts fans don't really really seem to be saying much about Holkett, but he's not necessarily started his Hearts career the way that I think people expected him to. Because I remember saying to you, Andy, when Gallagher and Holkett left. Livingston, I thought Gallagher was going to go on and do better, and he has. And to be fair, that's a like it's a 50 50 shout. I was either going to be right, and he was, or like Olcott mm-hmm. was going to kick on and be class. But if you look at what Gallagher's doing now, playing in Scotland teams that are only losing for X amount of games, and look at where Holcott is, the Hearts fans don't seem to be that annoyed that players like him aren't performing that well and are losing yeah. the games we're losing. In. If you for, said... for everyone's accounts, it should be Holcott playing for Scotland. Yeah, well, if you'd said 18, 18 months ago that one of those two is going to play for Scotland, I think 99.9% of people would have said that would be Hulk, you know, and yeah, and, and obviously it isn't. But the championship's almost a, it's almost become like a two, maybe a three horse race already, isn't it? Because obviously you've got the Fairman in 13, Hearts in 12, Wraith have got 10 after their disappointing result at Inverness, and then it's a drop to air uh, on eight, and then you've got Cali, seven, Morton, seven, Dundee, five. Going to say four, then our both and our one, two and one, respectively. Um, Muzz, I hate to say it, but are the wheels coming off the the Wraith bandwagon, or he's still still a believer. They could be. Um, I like for for that reason. I, I don't think I think it's too early doors to declare it a three horse race at the moment because I think there's every chance uh, that Wraith have come out the blocks and um, when teams work them out um, and. Are, are, are more ready for them. I just don't think teams are quite ready for the, the, the way they play and how high they play up on teams. And mm-hmm. maybe like that Inverness result, it might just take a few results like that for um, to, to knock the wind out of race sails and mm-hmm. they might get dragged back into that, that middle table uh, dogfight. You've been quite vocal, haven't you, Maz, about the Cali sort of giving kind of younger players chances and how, how it's been good to see. But to be fair, that's him now starting to get players back, Kelly Thistle, because you look at the bench from Saturday, Sean Welsh was on it, Aaron Doran was on it, James Vincent was on the bench, Todorov was on the bench. So that's depth yeah. that Robbo's not had for, for until now. Yeah, he's, he's, he, he's, um, he's sort of stood by McGregor and, and Cameron. Yeah, McGregor started, didn't um, he? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Possibly as well because these guys that have, have made the bench again um, have not been have not been quite uh, match fit. He's, mm-hmm. he's, 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 he's Robertson's already said that Vince likes to Vincent and Doran need uh, will need game time. Um, but yeah, that's start, they're starting to look um, they're starting to level out a bit in the nest. Um, yeah. I I don't think Wraith um, I don't think Wraith you know have too much to worry about in the sense that I, I don't think it's like gonna just because he lost up at Inverness, I don't think it's like, um, you know, panic stations. A mass, yeah, panic stations. But they need to be careful now. You know, they need to um, reset and 
and uh, go back to go back to what they were doing because they didn't they didn't get many shots on target at all up there. Um, they didn't get the chances that they they used to getting, and I don't know if Inverness have just they've had a they've had a crack at them in the in the, in the bench heads and they knew what they were about. So yeah, I think John Robertson's uh, maybe just done a, a bit of a done his homework and it's done a, a bit big of a one. job in the Big one for Wraith. Next, James, the uh, host, Dunfermline. Mm-hmm. I am, um, <clears throat> like, obviously, it's quite hard to see just watching the highlights of the, the Inverness Wraith game, but I think they'll have the same sort of issues to worry about. The um, Keaton's goal, for me, like, like I say, without seeing the full picture of it, it's a bit concerning because Muzz has talked about how they're good going forward, Wraith, and they can get quite attacking, but for that Keaton's goal, everyone's in motion, everyone's moving, and the defenders don't seem set at all. There's a bit of a miss kick and a swipe at fresh air. Ball just falls to Keaton's, and that's the sort of goal you're going to concede if you are, you know, an attacking team that goes forward and you want to push quite high up, and you're you're then running back to defend your goal. You're not like the penalty box defender. So Dunfermline have shown they can be a threat from dismantling teams with passing, with getting it folk direct, with set pieces. So if Wraith are too, you know, too in their stride and too swashbuckling to carry on with Muzzy's theme here. You know, that's, it's the same issue to, to worry about. It's not just going to be a simple ball over the top. It's going to be players aren't set up and, you know, you've got runs going off the ball and who's going to track them. And there, there's more to that attack in football than just going forward. You've got to then be better in transition, I think. They're always putting themselves under... under um, they're always putting themselves at risk the way they play because they play with the full-backs and McDonald and Tomlinty right right mm-hmm. up attacking the attacking the byline. And I think by the looks of it, in fact, McDonald's maybe have to deputise a, a ten and a half. One of McDonald's and Thunder. and because at times, you know, they, they can Wraith can have ten outfield players in the in the final third of the pitch when they're really trying to turn the screw. So you are they are taking a gamble. No, definitely. Um the other result that kind of stood out at the weekend was of a good win for Queen of the South, which you'd kind of predicted, James. Um, I broke in Mortimer's 0-0 and Air beat Dundee 2-0. Um, I was actually at the Air Dundee game and I don't think it was a 2-0 game. I think Dundee probably should have taken something from that game. Um, they, they just didn't start Dundee well at all. Um, took them a while to get to grips with their shape. They played, um, did they, play? they played a 4-2-3-1 kind of with McGowan off the left, Chris Daly off the right. So through the middle, Max Anderson in behind, and then Byrne and Charlie Adam as their, their central two. Um, Air started well, two mistakes in the Dundee defence put Air put 2 0 up, and then Dundee dominated, to be fair, for the rest of the game, in my opinion. I think it was Dundee had 13 corners and Air had none. Um, and Dundee missed a, a great chance at the back post. I think it was Chris De Elliott. Um, there were two or three shots where the goalies made good saves, and I know I saw Paul McGowan's interview slash rant slash uh, outburst in the press on the I think it was the Sunday or the Monday um, where he said it wasn't good enough for many of them um, I felt they did alright in spells and but Adam was disappointing um, but here to their credit you know they got 2-0 up and then they just kind of managed the game out despite giving up chances they, they, they kept the ball they got forward when they could good energy in that team I think Moffat uh, James got his hundredth goal. In fact, Muz, how's he for the the challenge? He's top ten, but he's he's not he's not top two. 
Buchanan, Liam Buchanan? No. Ah, I thought I had him as a set. Um, so I know it looked good. Dundee played in spells, missed a lot of chances, but they're under pressure now, James, aren't they? Dundee with kind of five points, eight off the lead already uh, in, that, in that championship. Yeah, I've got, about the game, I've got very little to say. Um, the highlights were just honking. Uh, just time of my life, I will never get back watching those highlights. I hope that your 90 minutes there was better, but watching the goals, it was just, seemed like shit defending all round, frankly. It just didn't seem like anyone was good. And if, that, if those were the highlights, like, I'd dread to think what your, your 90 was like. But, you know, there's, there's probably entertainment in there, but for me, that's, that's been a waste of me watching it. Um, more to the point, though, yeah, Dundee 100% are now sweating it a wee bit. They should be up there not having to contest minging games against their United. They should be duking it out with Hearts, only really worrying about Hearts. But they're now like in the dregs of that championship for, for quite a while. Um, I think if you'd looked in... Very harsh on Dundee in the last two minutes there, but I'm just really annoyed that I've watched those highlights. If you've looked into Charlie Adams' eyes, Muzz, you'd have seen a man wandering around Somerset Park that's played over 200 English Premier League games and was kind of was wondering what he was doing uh, while playing raged on around him at, at Somerset. Right, I can imagine. Aye, um, you know, there's only so much, there's only so much he can he can do. Uh, one man can do in that situation. Um, uh, same same with McGowan. I mean, I don't, I don't. I'm not too sure about that coming out in public. And to be fair to him, you know, he's not... He's, he's not, kind of sticking up for his manager, isn't he, as well? He, he, he's, a few players seem to be right behind the manager. And he's included himself as, as one of the, the people that have, have, um, that need to improve. Um, but I don't know, is he just doing that to come across as as trying to be fair? And there's obviously, like, there's obviously a lack of harmony in, in there somewhere, whether it's between... Um, in between the players or, or between the mm-hmm. coaching staff and the players and I don't know is there factions forming um, there's just because there's, there's something far amiss because um, they just don't seem to be they don't there doesn't seem to be much cohesion on the pitch um, no no uh, and and talking of kind of big results Queen of South beat an hour I didn't see that coming I thought Aller would go down and get a point uh, I think you did too um, just looking at Predictions from last week, guys. So it's a big win for Queen of and a clean sheet as well. Yeah, that's huge. Um, I, I thought Alloway would uh, would go there and, and snatch something, but um, it puts uh, Queen of South in a slightly more comfortable position. Um, Joe McKee as well, getting on the score sheet, Buchanan, mm-hmm. do their summer signings. So that's just proof that they've, they've, they've maybe the recruitment's worked for them a bit. They've got a, they've stuck a bit of a um, a balance shot that team and they pulled yeah. away from Aloha who were looking it was a it was a bit of a bad weekend for Aloha they had a lot on their plate they had two away fixtures and, and one of them being Hearts midweek um, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden they're looking they're, they're, they're looking in trouble um, minus nine goal difference with, with just a point they get to get they get to get moving at all after we well I certainly picked them up a wee bit from the Betfred performances yeah uh, Allo's result for that in the Betfred was, is now hosting Hearts um, in the knockouts and then they host Air. So, tricky wee spell for Allo coming up. And then they go to Arbroath. So, like you say, they maybe need to start picking up points soon. 
Absolutely. On the on the on the ball bag, uh, you mentioned Michael Moffat. Just to just to kind of give you a bit of direction of of, um, of kind of like the, the amount of goals I'm looking for for strikers. He's actually third um, with seventy seven goals. Is Chris Temple in there? Chris Templeman is further down than you think, purely because um, it became League One officially in two thousand and thirteen. Um, but since 2013, he's managed to notch uh, 50, uh, 45 goals. This is a tricky question. I was convinced Liam Buchanan would have been on there. Is Kevin Pauley there? Uh, no. Um, and the last game of the championship, um, it's a bit of a drab, nil-nil, Muzz, Arbroath and Morton. Uh, I think both teams are just almost happy to take a point and move on. Probably I. I. Um, it's one of those ones where um, I think... I think our both had a surprising amount of possession. Um, you were mm-hmm. saying you were saying just before the show there. I think it was sixty odd percent possession. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much of the air, um, how much possession the air had in that game, but um, quite a lot of fouls. I heard the ball. The, the ball needed subbed at half time. I. Uh, <laughs> um, got no one shot on target between the two of them. It just kind of tells a story that they just. I think they just. Not watch the highlights, but it looks like they've just slugged that one out. And to be honest, our both probably quite happy with that point. Um, it's hard uh, because both teams play five in the middle, James. Like it looks like our both have played a four-five-one. Morton played a three-five-two. So with ten bodies in the middle of the pitch at Gayfield, it's never going to be conducive for three-four, is it? I it just seemed to be one of those games where. Like that, that seemed inevitable to us, and I say that without really remembering what I predicted last week. But you know, you see the scores we, come we in. We all predicted a Morton victory, all right, because of the Hopkin factor and the fact that I always get Morton wrong. So, yeah, we should have known, <laughs> yeah, fine. I, but yeah, that was going to be a game where that had potential. Um, and to be fair, I do, do believe that Morton still now probably should have the ability to go at games like that and win it, but. Mm-hmm. You know, by the same token, when you see that come in, I find, yeah, not surprised at all. Both teams should be annoyed, I would say, at that. Morton probably more so. Um, nobody really wants to be walking away with that with just a point. So that rounds up the Championship, and we'll now take a look at League One. So, Muzz, what did you have highlighted as your game of the day? Um, my game of interest this weekend is um, East Fife against Clyde, because um, I think it's... I think it's one of the hardest games to call um, because both had very contrasting performances at the, at the weekend. Um, East Fife off the back of a, a 2-0 defeat against Park at the Thistle where they, they created very little chances. Um, I think it's probably as, as poor as they've been all season. Um, they were very, very pedestrian. It was a quite a heavy, heavy pitch at Park, quite damp. Um, but they, they just played a lot of kind of hopeful long balls up to Jack Hamilton um, and it didn't stick with him. Um, there's a real, apart from Aaron Dunsmore, um, slightly a bit, there's, there's a real lack of pace, um, or there was a real lack of pace in their starting 11. Mm-hmm. Partick, um, Partick suddenly looked like a championship team that, 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 that have come down. Were, were East Five four four two and Partick four three three type thing? Yeah, exactly. Uh, East Five were, were four four two. Um, 
lots of lots of space, lots of gaps between the midfield and, and defence really. Um there's a lot of guys with, with not many legs that, that just couldn't get back mm-hmm. when Parrot turned play over. And um Doherty is uh, quite leggy and stuff, isn't he, for Partick, yeah, so he'd be kind of in about his five. Bannigan as well is quite quite rangy. Mm-hmm. Um and, and Cardos just caused all sorts of problems uh, running at Slattery and cutting in and out and um uh, they weren't like Partick weren't kind of um they had spells um where where there was a good spell after after the the, the half time East Fife came out um in a sort of four one, four one shape. They changed shape halfway through the, the first half mm-hmm. um and then changed shape again um started the second half with four one four one to obviously to try and plug that that gap between the Mid, the defence in the midfield that was getting exposed by the extra man Parrick had in the middle. So Davidson sat and um, Agnew and Dunsmore played kind of behind Jack Hamilton and they started to play on the deck a lot more, a bit more patiently and tried to kind of unpick the Parrick defence and that's when they looked most dangerous. Um, but I think uh, Parrick just um, they got the penalty, a clumsy challenge, but it was it was due to the very thing. It was like a lack of it was a counter attack, um, a corner um, that Partick broke from, and um, and it was Ross Dunlop just forced into a kind of when 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 they were stretched, just forced into an awkward challenge, and it was a clear penalty. Um, so, yeah, on that on that performance, um, you're looking at East Fife and going, where, what can they do next? They made a lot of subs. Um, but they were kind of like light for light. There was nothing that Swanson came on and had flashes, but um, mm-hmm. you forget like, Swanson's there. Yeah, yeah. It looks he looked a bit leggy as well. But he looked like he had flashes and he had a couple of moments where he he run at the defence and looked a bit dangerous. But you're looking you're looking to players that that can that they can turn to if they have an off day like that. And you're kind of thinking who's on the bench that's really going to what changes can they make against mm-hmm. Clyde. That, that can really kind of like turn it around for them. Um, Clyde themselves have just, after, you know, they've been getting a bit of a hard time uh, for the performances. They've um, had Montrose and obviously David Goodwill has really turned up and, and fan- fancied this one. We yeah. know how much they rely on him. After um, we spoke about it last week. <laughs> I know, it's typical. Our, our, uh, our predictions less said about them. I think we've had our honeymoon period at the start of the right. start of the series, and um, it's gone a bit Chen's north, now, to say the least. It's interesting um, with this old squad. I, I maybe said something about the injuries. They only had three outfield players on the bench. Yeah, that's right. Yep, um, and we we've talked of the firepower that they've recruited with um, the likes of Rudd and um, Kudarisa and stuff yeah. like that. And so it's only it was only Blair Lyons really as a. Mm-hmm. As a attacking option that they had, and he he never made it on. But to be honest, they were, they were, they were quite lucky because they didn't need to make a sub. They were, they were kind of in control of that game. Right. And um, I thought Niang, who deputised the center half, um, was excellent. Um, Brian Green got the man of the match. He said after the game that he kind of nominated uh, Niang because um, given the fact he's a midfielder and he really kind of. He bullied Jack Hamilton a bit, and he frustrated Jack Hamilton. Um, it's interesting because Hamilton's been doing alright. Yeah, yeah, he he looked a, he cut a sort of forlorn figure there, 
uh, on Saturday. I just don't think he had to he had to hold the ball up for for ages, you know, to to let the while well, well, the rest of the team caught up to support him. So yeah, Smith, he, Smith's losing his mobility a wee bit, isn't it? Kevin Smith playing other Aye, he's, yeah. Wiley, never been, boxing. Denham's never been quick, you know, nah. so either. So. Nah, true. They just, it just, everything looked laboured and heavy. Um, and, and Hamilton, he, he ploughed a lone furrow. He, he did try to, like, he tried to hold up, but there was no one near him to link up. Smith, mm-hmm. a few useful flick-ons and things like that. But there was just no, there was no kind of cohesion. Um, I thought they might have played um, uh, Hamilton off him, maybe Foster or something, or um, who's that? Williamson. Uh, was Williamson at right back, Foster at left back? That's right. I thought yeah, they might yeah. have went, played more dagger on top of Foster because when, when I saw him for St Johnson, he was never great aerially. So you wonder if, if maybe they did more joy, kind of just played diags on top of him. Aye, possibly. Yeah. How was um, Foster? Yeah, he's all right. I don't think he's. Um, I think he's at that stage of his career now where he's come come to this level and he he he's got experience and a bit of know how. But um, he didn't do a lot wrong. But when he's he wasn't really challenged this game. He wasn't run at. Dunsmore had a couple of. Had a couple of goals down the right, but then Dunsmore was switched inside, and then they, they just East Fife didn't have anything to. So he had a bit of a he had a, he had a he, he had a bit of a a fly on Foster. He wasn't really tested. He, he was he was on the pitch. It's good to turn up. Um, and and yeah, like you say, Clyde obviously got a, a, a David Goodwill he beat Montrose three to. I think James, you watched that one, didn't you? You saw bits of that uh, Clyde Clyde Montrose game. I um yeah I feel like it's not flattery is the wrong word to use but I think both teams could have left that game with something uh, and if I was a Montrose player or fan I'd be annoyed that you know Clyde just seemed to be their luck really just riding on uh, Goodwillie um, who they are I suppose but he, um, you know the three goals they scored first one uh, the Montrose keeper's come out, gone down at his feet. Goodwill has been composed enough to take it round goalie, take it round the players. Still a good finish into the, the net right enough, but not many players will have that composure in that league um, mm-hmm. in the same situation. Second one's been a header into the postage stamp, like very good area. Up challenging, um, behind his man. Techniques there to put it in. Next one's been a class goal from the angle that when you're sitting on two goals ready to have your hat-trick and you know you're of the ability of David Goodley, you're going to take that shot on. So he's come in from the angle, or sorry, the ball's been played out to him, he's been at the angle, gone across the goalkeeper into the far side. So that's, again, technique, it's power, it's um, it's a farce sometimes that he's still playing in League One. Um, mm-hmm. It's a bit of a cheat code, really, that he's there because if you're struggling, you know, you can just lay him the ball and chances are he's probably going to do something with it, much as we've previously complained that he could be doing more. Um, yeah, it just seems like there's only so much you can do uh, against Goodwill and Montrose players will be annoyed and justifiably so that you're not going to come up against that every day. So No. Um, is, is that the top four Moz now in, in League One kind of settling in? Albeit Thistle are only there on goal difference. You know, they've got the same points as Montrose in fifth, Dumbarton in sixth, but obviously your top four now is Falkirk, Cove, Verdun, Thistle. 
Yeah, it could be, I think, you know, um, I think Montrose have the potential to kind of be there um, kind of pulling everyone back down towards them. I don't think they'll, I don't think they'll be kind of challenging material, but they, they did that, they did that last season and they tend to go on runs a bit, Montrose. They, they went, they went on a run last season after a dodgy spell and it propelled them right into the, the top four. So they'll be, they'll be kind of like knocking on the door. The Baron who have started well, I don't know if they've got the depth to, to, to see out a, sustained challenge for playoffs. Um, Disappointing result for them against Falkirk. I think I would say the exact same for for Peterhead. The the ones that are the surprise package in terms of um, struggling are, I think, are East a wee bit. Um, Just before uh, we get you just to round off your game of the day, I've got a few names kind of throw at you for the the ball bag. Um, Please do. Rory McAllister? Correct. He is number one with 91 goals in League One. Um, Can I jump in before you go on to your next one with another striker, Andy? Yeah. Uh, Andy Ryan was? Uh, no. Stephen Dobie? Uh, Dobie, no. I was just relying on him because I think he had one great season in League One, didn't he? Maybe I've made that up. Um, Andy Graham at the back? No. There's one player who is, is, a, is a striker by trade but has played at centre-half and he... Um, He's down as the highest scoring centre half. Um, and I think he's just done that in one season. Andy Little? No. Oh, Lee McCulloch. Uh, McCulloch, Penn. Was that, that was his yeah. season. McCulloch, Penn. 17 goals at centre half. And Rangers, obviously, were only in League One for one season. So, might, um, like you say, it could, the majority of them could have come from penalties. Um, or he's played, he's played a few games up front. Don't know. Uh, Willie Gibson, Sean Crichton, or Gavin Swankey? Gavin Swankey, midfield, yeah, centre midfield, 51 goals. Um, tell me the other ones again. Sean Crichton at centre half or Willie Gibson? No, neither. Um, so, must coming back to your game of the day, East Fife Clyde, who did you see winning that one? Um, very difficult to predict, as I, as I said at the start of the, of the preview for this game. Okay. For Clyde, you just you can't get away from the fact that is is David really going to turn up again and be on form? But um, East Fife are a bit of an unpredictable um, team at the moment. They seem to I, I, the first time I'd seen them was Saturday, um, but they've they've picked up a, a couple of half decent results. Um, from yeah. that, that win at home they had um, the, the week before that the, the two one yeah three, three losses a win and a draw they've had so far. I have to go with draw. I think East Fife will, will win that one. Um, James, I know you've touched on um, Montrose, obviously, with, with our game against Clyde. Before we come into your game of the day, I'll just get Muzzy's prediction, actually, for the game we're not really going to touch on. Muzz, Peterhead against Forfa? Um, I'm going to go for a, a home win. I'm going to draw. James, Peterhead against Forfa? I had a look at the their Forfa's last game and... They did deserve to lose, to be fair to them, but I think they've got a fair bit of fight about them still. So mm-hmm. they didn't look like they were going to roll over. Um, you know, plenty of getting into the box, appealing for handballs that definitely weren't, but they're, they're nippy and they're fighting. So I go for it for for me. One of us will be right. And uh, East Fife Clyde, James? Um, Put me down for a draw for that one, please. Okay, so 
like I said, you've touched on Montrose and you, you think game of the day will be them against at home at the Partick. <clears throat> Montrose Partick for me, game of the day. Because um, they're, they're both quite a same team, league position-wise, but <clears throat> in terms of where they should be or where they could be, um, you know, the Montrose fans will obviously be the happier. I agree with us that um, they've got to hope to just be the team that sort of keeps everyone else honest a wee bit and and doing so are picking up points against the, the, the teams above them and are then getting themselves in a better position because we'd we'd had it pegged as a top three with a variety of teams filling that fourth spot. Mm-hmm. So Montrose just now might be thinking, actually, you know what, with the start that East Fife have had, it could easily be them. So if they're keeping teams honest and taking points off some teams here and there, you know, there's no reason to say why, why they couldn't get into the playoffs. Um, but like I say, both teams are similar on points. Um, same points, in fact. Partick Thistle have got one goal plus one goal difference. Scored six, letting five. Montrose minus one. Scored 11, letting 12. So. Oh, there'll be goals in the games Montrose are involved in. Eh? I think they've had two three twos out of five games already. Yeah, and like I said, the, the three that they conceded against Clyde were unfortunate in that they were that good. But at the same time, like they did concede three goals. So as good as or bad as they are, it doesn't really matter because goals are goals. So even without that, that's nine goals they've conceded. So they're still not particularly solid at the back, um, but they looked good. Like, I don't think they looked particularly bad. They were quite conceding in terms of letting these goals in, but, you know, you still need to create the opportunities at the other end. And they've shown that they can create more than Park Thistle can. They've <clears throat> got themselves 11 goals to Park six. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm surprised a wee bit at Park Thistle in terms of their lack of opportunities. The Brian Graham's scoring for the, the spot. Um, penalty, his second one was a, a ball through, which to be fair on was a, a class finish in the last game. But, you know, they've only scored six goals with that team that we were praising highly at the start of the season. So I'm wondering where, you know, Bannigan is, your Foster's are, was Rudden came in as being an attacking player that could make some opportunities. Why are they not doing more? Scoring themselves or creating opportunities for them. So my issue there is that's a bit of a problem for me. Partick Thistle should be looking at their next four games, including the Montrose game. Dumbarton they've got, Forfer they've got, Peterhead they've got, which all of them for Partick at the start of the season, we would say that's winnable. But they're on the same points as Dumbarton. They've got one more than Peterhead, so Montrose as well will only be easy. So that's four... Four games that they should be saying start of the season. That's you know that's on the the changing room wall with the big W's next to it. We highlight it out in green. So now we'll, we'll go there. We'll get some points. Now I'm not overly convinced. Um, Montrose have got goals across the whole pitch. They've got assists across the whole pitch. Uh, Harry Cochran's come on straight away. He's got some um, assists in straight in the assist chart. So I think it will be a good game. Um, Thistle are your favourites, Bookie's favourites, but for me, I think Montrose are the nibbler there. I don't think you'll get a, a terrible value if you went for them, and for me, I'm going to I'm going to plug for Montrose as well. I'm going for Partick. Muzz? Yeah, I agree with James' assessment that it's going to be a, a good game, and it's going to it's going to be all all the signs are there for 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 goals. Um, I think it could be uh, another sort of. 3-2 job, um, but I, I agree that Partick, certainly on, on um, the back of their performance at the weekend, it was very assured. Looks like they've finally um, kind of <clears throat> realised they're in a 
a fight and got their act together a wee bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I think they'll go up there and um, come away with the points, but it'll be a close one. I think they, they should have a point to prove Partick. So at some point, someone needs to remind them that life's been a wee bit tough for them and it's been a wee bit unfair and maybe not the team that are on the pitch just now have gotten them in that position, but they're all good players who could be doing better. And they don't seem to realise that yet. Although Muzz is maybe saying they've now sort of it's clicked in their heads like, I said, we probably should be doing better than we are and it's, it's time to get a wee fight going. But, you know, they don't, they don't have that. They're not firing the same way as like your Falkirks are firing and don't seem to be playing in the same way and chasing the same things with the same desire. So if that changes, then I fair enough. But until that does, I, it's not for me. Uh, what was I going to say? Lauren Shankland or Ian Russell, Maz? Ian Russell, um, 33 goals. And he is um, actually listed here as a, as a left winger. Um, and there is a left midfielder that has scored more than him. But he's only scored 33 anyway, so... Shanklin, no. He only had one season, didn't he? Shanklin. No, yeah. Just that one with Um So the last game then is uh, Airdrie Cove, and I think that, that could be a, a great game. Um, Airdrie, <clears throat> great result away at Forfar on uh, Saturday there. Some of the football they played, um, and in particular one of the goals that they scored, has kind of been doing the rounds on social media, hasn't it? Um, and I think I said last week that I really liked Airdrie, the mix they've got. Um, the back four looks settled and solid with McCann for Dice Crichton and McDonald. Karen McKay, industrious in front of them. And then that just lets the front four kind of go and play and lets the full backs push on a bit. So um, good to see Connell score. Like I mentioned last week, I like him. Physical. Gives him something different. Gallagher sharp through the middle, although he didn't score. Um, Carrick and Robert. So three of three of your front four are scoring. It's never a bad situation. And I think... Um, Max Curry coming back and goals made a big difference to them. Hutton's not a bad goal at all, but I think Curry's slightly better. And, and so does Ian Murray, obviously, given that he, he kind of went straight back in. So I think they're just looking solid across the pitch here. And again, even off the bench, Thompson, Sabatini, uh, Stokes, O'Reilly. Um, good firepower coming off the bench. So a great win for them. Cove obviously need to bounce back. It's their first kind of setback this season, uh, that defeat away at Falkirk, uh, 1-0. Uh, quite an open game, that one. I think both teams kind of went 4-4-2 and, and had a right good go at each other. Um, Connor Salmon back in the fold for Falkirk, which is, is good to see. Um, so, like I say, Muzz Cove, for them, it, it's how they kind of respond to the first the first setback. And for Airdrie, it's got to just keep the, keep the ball rolling, um, literally and figuratively. Yeah, um, that was the... That was Cove's real kind of first acid test away at Falkirk. Um, can we can we go to, to these big clubs and um, and stake our claim, you know? And you know, it was a narrow narrow defeat. Um, they'll take no no shame in it. Um, and obviously, flying in the league last couple of uh, games, um, I think they'll put the they'll put the Betfred Cup to bed now and just. Um, it's good. It's good to see that they've kind of not. That's not affected their, their league performances. They've got straight back to business in, in the league, and uh, like you say, playing that kind of open, ex- expansive football. Uh, Robert being a real catalyst for that. He's he's really kind of. He looks to be now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and he scored a couple of good goals and coming in off the off the side. And um, I totally agree with you that the the, the how the back four. 
and the, the defensive side of, of their team kind of is really, really solid and it, and it allows allows the front players to, to go on. So there's a real good mix there. Um, they've got, they're quite resilient. They've got the ability to to battle out games um, if, if they need to if they need to dig their heels in. And if teams are going to open up to them, they've got the kind of pace and, and skill to, to punish those teams. So, um, aye, it's going to be a, it's going to be another really good game, I think. I, I think I'm, I'm I'm leaning towards Airdrie winning that. Um, I just think they've got goals across that front four, and like I say, with good options off the bench. I think as well, with Fordyce and Crichton at the back, McAllister, uh, Rory McAllister's not going to run away from them, is he? Um, I know Meganson's up there as well, but Airdrie like to play that high line, James, as we've kind of spoke about before. So for if you're Crichton and Fordyce, McAllister's almost the type of player you want to play against. Somebody that's going to get tight to you and try and battle you. He's not going to, his mobility is maybe not as, uh, he's not as agile as, as he maybe used to be. So, for Crichton and for Dice, albeit McAllister's a good goal scorer, they'll maybe be looking forward to that more physical battle with, with, with him. I, although, in saying that, if I'm lining up against them, I'm telling him to stay not on them, pushing that line back, but take a few yards closer to your own goal because we saw many times both of them are liable to come and try and win the ball ahead of you. And in doing so, you then create some gaps. So he's a, he's a good sort of foil for them, a good... <clears throat> target man to try and hit, but it's how you it's how you then line up against that because similarly you're saying McAllister won't run away from you, but you also if you're McAllister know that for Dice and Crichton will try and cheat and try and score their points against you where they can. So you know it's very easy to look at from the attacking side of things and say, well, the defending of that will be easy, but but actually how can you deal with what those defenders are going to do for you? Because that reading of the game is going to be as valid as as a defensive side of it, so mm-hmm. so I think it'll be a battle, a good battle for both sides because I also would want to be a, that sort of striker up against those defenders because you know you you know if you can beat them and if you're confident in your own ability, then you're opening it up for the rest of the team because if you're knocking balls away, <clears throat> they're not going to recover from it. So it is going to be maybe maybe sorry one of the battles that'll be it'll be vital to win. Um, yeah, so Muzz, obviously, like James says, um, McAllister and Meganson against Crichton and Fordyce will be one of the key battles, but Mackay and um, Kerr against Fivey and Yule will be big as well, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, Fivey and Yule, um, and no wonder they, they were so, such clear winners in, in League Two last season with, with players like that in the middle. Um, and yeah, up against and, and, and Kerr, you know, both both very defensive-minded players. I think centre halves by by trade really that don't neither spend that much time on the ball. Um, they just do the basics. So, um, care really just a, a kind of a stopper for Airdrie and mm-hmm. makes it very difficult for teams to play against them. So it's I there's lots of tactical battles all, all throughout that. Um, there's there's lots of like good one-to-ones there, isn't there? Yeah, um, no, but I'm, I mean, yeah. like for for. I, I can't I can't see Airdrie stopping scoring at the moment. I think you know I think they're going to score goals. Um, I, I just don't see it suddenly stopping the amount of chances they're creating. No, I, I agree with that. Obviously, as I've said in my prediction, James, are you going for the hat trick? Uh, that's a a cove for me. I think. Interesting. 
Okay, from there we move swiftly into League Two. Muzz, what's your game of the day? Uh, my game of the day in League Two, um, Elgin Cowdenbeath. Um, I was, I think James predicted correctly that Elgin would, would beat Sterling Albion, where I think me and you Andy both kind of backed Sterling Albion in that one, I think. Or you backed a draw, I backed Sterling, back James backed the Elgin. Right. My, my predictions are that. It's all, it's a, I've tried to banish them to the back of my memory. So, But um, the manager, Gavin Price, has, has come out and said that they, they didn't play that well against Sterling Albion, um, but they still came away. From, from from that fixture with with the win, which is the sign of a that old cliche sign of a good team. They don't Sign, play well, but still win. Signed a new contract as well. Yeah, yeah, signed a new two-year contract. Um, so they're they're going in the right direction. So that provides real real stability. The club goalkeepers tied down for another couple of years as well. I think. Yeah, um, I saw that. Yeah. They, so when you're talking about stability, you know, you, you look at a, a reliable goalkeeper signing on. Mm-hmm. Um, as well, so um, I think uh, Joe McBeath played 90 minutes against Stirling Albion as well, um, and I think it was Sopel on, on the other side, so that kept Conor O'Keefe on on the bench. Further indication of their of their strength um, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Beath, they've been doing alright, but I know they've missed a game um, last week because of. Fact it was called off a short notice, but we still only scored two goals this season, and um, that's mm-hmm. even behind even behind Brecon City. So there, there's a worry. Um, yeah. You know, I look at the team and I see players like Harvey Swan and Fraser Mullen, um, far like good good players, but um, outside of that, there's there's a bit kind of there's a there's a bit of a lack of experience at, at that level. And there's a lack of depth as well. You know, we're lacking numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they're not, but Craig scoring, Easton's been on the bench, and I think he's about 41, 42 year old. Aye, um, fair play to him, but it's it's an indication of the, the, yeah. how how much they're struggling for personnel. And um, not only have they scored the least, but they've they've had the. I know they've again they've missed that. They've got a game down on it, and everybody else apart from Albion, but um, fewer shots on goal. Only hit ten shots on goal at this. Jesus, four, four games. games. Yeah. Ten, 10 shots on target, sorry. 27 shots on goal. Um, so, uh, I just, I can't see past a, a fairly, fairly convincing Elgin win. I think up there in Elgin, I, I, I agree with you. I think I think it's an Elgin win. They're flying. Um, I think they'll look at um, Queen's Park, sorry, playing Stenhouse Muir and think maybe Stenhouse Muir will get something there. Uh, although it's at Hamden, um, and if if um, Steny do, then it, it gives Elgin a great chance to, to close the gap on them, James, at the top. So I, I'm backing a an Elgin victory up there. Breaks my heart to to do the same. To be honest, it's Elgin for me. That's not like you. Um, so before we come on to my game of the day and your game of the day, the games that we're not really going to um, touch on, we'll just get quick predictions for them. So. Um, the two games we're not going to really talk about in detail are Brechin, Strunrar and Annan against Edinburgh. So in Annan, Edinburgh, I'm going to go draw. And in Brechin, Strunrar, I'm going to go Strunrar. Muzz, uh, Brechin, Strunrar. Brechin, Strunrar, um, for me, it'll be a, a, a Strunrar win. Um, they're, a Brechin are, the, the, the 
tough fixtures are just coming thick and fast yeah. for them, and they, they they got that crucial win against Albion, which keeps them like keeps their head just above water. But they've achieved that. You think you look to where their next going to pick up points, and you, you know they're playing probably kind of like one of the most informed teams in the league now after going so long without without that win. They're they're kind of flying. I uh, won the last two, haven't they? So. Yeah, really good result away to Edinburgh. Um, so I, I think Stranar will, will win that. And in Edinburgh? Edinburgh are a bit, they're a bit funny so far. They, mm-hmm. They've gone and they've, they've taken six yellow cards against Stranar. Um, they've been subbing strikers on for defenders again and midfielders for strikers. Are, you know, they're dropping and changing. They're just kind of a wee bit unsettled. Um, so... Annan, on the other hand, um, they're kind of um, chipping away, um, sticking sticking with their system, and it's it's had mixed results for them so far. But I, I think I think they might beat Edinburgh just on, on the back of how inconsistent Edinburgh have been, and how how poorly they start the season, bar a couple of good results in the Betfair. Mm-hmm. Okay, James. So three things: breaking Shunra. Um, I'm going to go breaking for this one just for the this is a, the sore leg derby for me it's a long way to go um, and breaking will, breaking will do it for me Aaron against Edinburgh? Uh, Edinburgh City I think have got it for me in terms of I just think they'll be again another team who are looking to pull things back together much the same as Annan, I suppose but they really need to be getting themselves back into where they, they, they want to be and, and where they want to be Fighting for, and I think, like I say, Annan are in the same boat, but across the pitch, positionally, I think uh, Edinburgh City are just better for me. So, Edinburgh City. I'll tell you what, you put a tenner on that double, you'll not be in the podcast next week because you'll be retired. Um, and your game of the day, what did you have? Um, Albion Rovers and Sterling Albion. I think this will be, this will be tough for Albion are they, Rovers. Are they, they COVID-free? Hopefully. Well, as of recording, the game is on because our Twitter is advertising a tenner to watch this. Um, keep it twice the price. <laughs> Certainly. Um, I'm going to keep this one purely on numbers because I think if we get into Albion Rovers, Sterling Albion just outmatch them and we can get drawn into this you know, Albion Rovers situation where we start banging on about how poor they are, much as we've done with Brecon. So... Some numbers for you. Sterling Albion, Andy Ryan played five, scored two. David Wilson played five, scored two. Jack Leach played five, scored two. Andy Ryan played five, assisted two. Cammy Benny played four, two clean sheets, seven saves. Harry Stone played one, clean sheets one. Very, very strong across all the pitch. Goal scorers, assists. Goal scorers who do assist as well. And at the other end, they've got a defence and a goalkeeper that makes some saves and keeps some clean sheets. Mm-hmm. You look at the, the league table, Sterling Albion, Muzz touched on some other teams who perhaps haven't had overly large amount of shots. Sterling Albion top that table, 60 shots they've had this season. 29 of them, um, 26 of them, sorry, were on target. So our second position in the table for shots on target. So against an Albion Rovers team who have scored four and conceded nine, haven't played for two weeks, I think for me, if football was played on the calculator, it's a Sterling Albion win. It's not played on the calculator played on the pitch, and Sterling Albion are just better. Haven't played for two weeks, like I say, the last two games Albion Rovers have played, lost uh, Hamilton, lost Annan, um, and we're still currently just ploughing on um, 
hopeful that they can play on Saturday, whether that means that the players who made it unable to be played last week have recovered and are back, fine. But whether that means the rest of the team is now negative and can play on, fine. For me, it doesn't really make a difference for that Albion Rovers squad because even at full full capacity, they're just not good. Mm -hmm. uh, Sterling Albion are just better. So I think fairly obviously, I would say Sterling Albion buy a few goals. I back you. I think I can't disagree with any of that. Um, I think Stone Albion, even you look at their bench, um, although they were beaten by Elgin on Saturday, like you say, talking about their shots, they actually had more shots on target than Elgin did. Um, and I think, let's say, looking at their bench, uh, kind of Dylan Mackin on the bench, Kieran Moore, um, Cammy Thompson's a good player as well on the left hand side, gives you a bit of width and pace if and when he plays. So, Although it's at Albion Rovers, that's the only thing that's making me concerned slightly for Stirling is that it's an away game and we don't know what kind of state the surface is going to be in. But the Albion, Muzz has touched on it in a previous podcast. If Mackin plays and the pitch isn't great, they have got that option to go a bit more direct and kind of play off rather than kind of building through the middle so they can do they can do both. Um, so I'd agree with you that it's a Stirling Albion win. Muzz? I think it talks, sorry, uh, I think it talks to a lot of what Stirling Albion are doing. Uh, off the pitch as well, because I said right at the start that the money invested in Andy Ryan won't be a waste, but, you know, without knowing the ins and outs of the, the deals and the contracts, you can't imagine he'll come cheap, and he is a player who could be playing higher up, so he's a mm -hmm. sensible investment, and it's working, and the backroom staff, the management, the data analysts, everyone that's going, I think, is speaking currently this season, so far anyway, is to, to that investment and how the, the club's actually been run. Yeah, no, they're playing well. They've got a good shape about them. They look good in and out of possession. Um, they look strong, good kind of build, good mobility legs throughout the park. Um, and for any Sterling Albion, and for actually for any lower league fans in general, we're hoping we might have a wee announcement to make regarding a special Extra Time podcast coming up uh, soon, actually, with regards to to some of the things you touched on there, James. Um, Muzz? Yeah, I think, like, the... James's sort of statistical analysis um, points in all the direction that it's going to be a, a Sterling Albion win. It's difficult to, to argue with those those figures on paper. And again, I also agree with you um, that the the pitch might be a factor. And, and if I am if I am the the gaffer on Saturday, I'm, I'm thinking about playing Mackin as well if the if the pitch is going to be in that that kind of condition and. Is is Clifton Hill ever in a great condition? <laughs> so you you're talking about Mackin who can you can go direct, you can keep the ball off the ground a bit, mm -hmm. and he can hold up and you've guys like Curtis Roberts and, and little bomb on Ryan, beyond yeah. him and, and, and Andy Ryan play off him. I think that's a um a could be a good option. Um but I think Sterling have got the 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 luxury to have different options and I think that will see them through against Albion Rovers. Yeah, no, no, agreed. Um, so last but not least, the game that we've not looked at yet is my game of the day, which is Queen's Park uh, hosting Stenhouse Muir. So top of the table, Queen's Park yet to concede a goal in the league uh, off the back of kind of convincing as you're likely to get a uh, victory against Brechin. Jai Katongo off the mark, Bob McHugh, I think that was his first goal as well, which is a surprise for me. Um, and Steny, who kind of, you know, the last three games, there's been a draw, there's been a win, there's been a loss. Um, so they're kind of, 
they started well, but are they now beginning to kind of settle into James's pre-season prediction? As we've both seen Steny live this season and they've impressed us in the games that we saw. Uh, I'm surprised actually that Annan went there and got a win, although it was a last minute. Um, they've kind of done their man, and to be fair, because they've scored, I think, an extra time in the first half, an extra time in the second half, I think. Uh, I think it was 45 plus one and 90 plus one that have scored. Um, so Steny will go there and give Queen's Park a game, but I think we've spoken about it before on that pitch at Hamden with the, the ability that Queen's Park have got in the final third and with the, the options off the bench. Um, I, I just see Queen's Park Queen's Park winning that one, although the rest of the league will probably be hoping, Muzz, that, that Steny can take something off him. Yeah, um, the rest of the league will be just be looking for, for Queen's Park to drop points um, wherever they can because with McHugh and Katongo off the mark now and Bainham scoring freely time in Murray's return, it's a yeah. real horrible proposition for any opposition. And uh, I was as surprised as you were that um, Annan went to Steny and, and got that result. And you, you look at the team, they started, Steny started Spence, McGuigan, uh, Biabi and Tommy Muir Aye. up front. So, they, they, I mean, they were really going for it. And um, Davy Arms is going to be, he, like exactly like you said, he'll, he'll be really disappointed at, at the time they scored those goals. They've, they've, um, they've obviously, I don't know, they've switched off at, at key times there and it's something mm. that they're going to have to address because, um, like you say, when we've seen them, um, I've been very impressed with their work rate, their, their structure. Um, the the leadership with Andy Monroe from the back there's a real kind of like everyone's on the on the ball everyone's on the same yeah. wavelength everyone's kind of like working together um, there's no no bigger test in that league than than away to Queen's Park so mm-hmm. if they are promotion material they're going to have to step up yeah no I agree and and how who do you see winning that um. That being said, it's it's very difficult for for um, the reasons mentioned and the fact that they've yet to even concede a goal. Uh, it's very difficult to see past Queens Park. Um, I, I, I think I would probably have to go for a for a home win if I'm going to put any money on it. And James, just before we have any final guesses at the ball bag, I'm guessing, given your track record with Steny, you'll be back in Queens Park as well. Aye, that's one for me. Is Almost straightforward, but at the same time, it, it's one of those predictions I've got that just sounds a bit daft. Um, because I think Queen's Park will score, so it's all—it's just going to depend on if they concede, which, you know, obviously makes sense in terms of if you're trying to win a football game. I think I think Queen's Park have have the ability to score one, score two, score three, but I think Steny will be able to score as well. But even if they do, I don't think they'll win it. So for me, it's a Queen's Park win, but is it going to be a win to now? Maybe not. Maybe this could be the first game where we see them actually conceding a wee bit. So, so yeah, uh, a Queen's Park win, but maybe not a comprehensive one. Okay, so that rounds up the predictions and the previews of the upcoming games. Um, Jamie Stevenson was. Yes, he's in there at right back with eighteen goals. Kevin Smith. No. Jeez, oh. Agnew, surely. Penalties. Agnew in the middle, yeah. 42 goals from central midfield. I'm uh, thinking Benham's been in that league for a let's, while. Uh, let's rewind here. And yeah. that's, your, that's your left midfielder that is your left midfielder and isn't Ian Russell. 
That's right, absolutely right, James. Danny Dern, 39 goals. Uh, Great shout, Bobby Lynn. I'll, I'll give you the left back because I think you'll be toiling. Yeah, give us the left back. Scott McBride. Centre half is ex Livy. You mentioned uh, are any of them ex Livy or did they play for Livy during that League One season? Um, one of them certainly ex Livy. Craig Barr, no? No. Is Ryan Wallace the striker? Ryan Wallace is the striker. 84 goals. Jeez. I suppose he's played for a lot of clubs, isn't he? He's kind of dotted himself out. Yeah. We don't have an Alan Lithgow at centre half. Lithgow's fourth with 12 goals. Ah. Michael Travis. Yes. Bingo. He was at our growth, wasn't he, as well? Yeah, 18 goals. So run us through the 10 then, Muzz, just before we finish up. So, Stevenson right back, Travis and Lee McCulloch centre-half, Scott McBride left back, Dan Denham left midfield, Scott Agnew and Gavin Swanky central midfield, Bobby Lynn right, and Ryan Wallace and Rory McAllister up front. Um, quite the team there. So thanks very much for joining us. Um, as I said at the start, if you could do us a massive favour and like this video and subscribe to the channel if you're watching on YouTube. Any feedback, please give us it in the comments or you can find us on Twitter by searching for at Turnstiles the or through the Turnstiles. If you prefer, you can listen to us on Spotify. Again, we can be found there at through the Turnstiles podcast. And we're also relatively active in Pie and Bovril, so the forum online. So any questions or constructive criticism slash feedback you can give us it on there. Thanks very much for uh, joining us and we'll see you next week. And keep your eyes peeled on our social media for a potential extra time special episode next week as well. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.